Good morning and welcome to our Pentecost Sunday service. It's great to have you with us. My name's Tom and I'm part of the ministry team here at Billerickley Baptist Church and Pentecost is a really special day so I'm really pleased that whether you're a member here or whether you're from a different corner of the globe you've decided to join with us and to share in our worship on this special day in the Christian calendar. I'm going to open in prayer and then we're going to have a listen to the account we have from Acts chapter 2 of what happened on that day all those years ago. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that as we, as we gather together spiritually, even though we are scattered, we know, Father, that you join with each and every one of us through your Holy Spirit. And this morning, Lord, we remember when, when your Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples in Jerusalem all those years ago. We remember, Lord, the, the, the impact it had, the immediate impact, and then the, the impact that, that played out over the weeks and months and years to come as your spirit was carried by those people into different villages and towns, to different groups of people, and eventually to different, different nations. Father, we give thanks for that. We give thanks that your Holy Spirit is as present and as active with us now today as it ever has been. And Father, we welcome you through your Holy Spirit into our, into our living rooms, into our gardens, into our hearts this morning. So be with us, we pray. Draw us closer to you as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's always good to begin our morning worship in prayer, but it's also good to begin by reading scripture. So please now, if you haven't got your Bible with you, press pause, go and find it and turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read the account of Pentecost that starts in verse 1 and goes through to verse 13. So please feel free to go and grab your Bible and then read through this passage with us together. Acts 2 verses 1 to 13. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. It's always important to read these passages because no matter how familiar we might feel, with certain passages. We, we always find that there are certain bits that we've missed or certain bits that we've, we've just not stopped and really thought about before. What we're going to do this morning is go through the account of the day of Pentecost 
consider the implications it had for the disciples and for those, all those who heard um, the, what was said that morning, all those who witnessed those events. But we're also going to consider the implications it has for us today, here, now, as a church that is coming to terms with what life is like whilst the coronavirus is still alive in the world. What life is like as a church in 2020. None of us could have foreseen these circumstances. And every church up and down the country, in every church across the world, is finding its way to adjust and to make sure that it can still serve God and build his kingdom in an effective and meaningful way. Pentecost is one of those times of year that we should be celebrating. We should be stopping and we should be making a really big deal of Pentecost. Because let's think about Christmas. Christmas is celebrated throughout the world. Christmas is, um, is a Christian festival. You take Christ out of Christmas. Christ is the opening of Christmas. It's the first part of the word. Christ is at the heart of Christmas. We come out with all these slogans. And of course, Christmas has become a very commercialised festival. We know that people exchange gifts. People spend a lot of money. People eat a lot. They drink a lot. They see friends. They celebrate Christmas. Even those who, who never set foot in a church, never pick up a Bible, never pray, never have a relationship with Jesus, they still celebrate Christmas. And Christmas all started when the Son of God came into the world, when Jesus himself was born. Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit entered the world. And yet, most of the world doesn't have a clue what Pentecost is, or when Pentecost is, or what it signifies to them personally. Christmas and Pentecost should be on a par with importance in the mindset of Christian folk. We should remember that Pentecost is such an important day, because without Pentecost, then the work of Jesus wouldn't have been continued in such an effective way. So, first of all, we need to be clear about a couple of things. The Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit has always been. Pentecost is not the day that the Holy Spirit was born. It is not the day that God invented the Holy Spirit. It is not even the day that the Holy Spirit came to earth for the first time. Indeed, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water right at the start of creation. We read about that in Genesis. Throughout the Old Testament, we see, we see time after time when, when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was, was directly given to people, whether it's um, enabling people to have visions or, or prophesy, whether it's um, through a, an audible word, whether it's through a meeting with angels, whether it's through a, a healing or a miracle of some sort, whether it's through a military victory, we see the Spirit of God working at certain times in certain ways throughout the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. We see that in, in John 15, when Jesus promises to send the Spirit of Truth, the Great Counselor, my Holy Spirit, he says, will come. So just in the same way that Jesus himself had been prophesied and promised hundreds of years before he actually came. So Pentecost was promised by Jesus. And Jesus doesn't break promises. Indeed, in Acts chapter 1, Peter mentions the Holy Spirit 
before the day of Pentecost. We're told in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the believers and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David. So the Holy Spirit was nothing new. But whereas before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had been directed to individuals, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit enters the world. It's as if, it's as if there had been the occasional invite to, to experience the Holy Spirit before then, but suddenly the Holy Spirit went on general release on the day of Pentecost. So let's just work through the passage and see where we go. When the day of Pentecost came, they, that's the disciples, were all together in one place. There was no social distancing, there was no lockdown. They were all gathered together in one place. I've had a lot of people ask me questions in the past couple of weeks about when church is going to get back to normal. And of course that's an unanswerable question. But this is now normal. Me coming out to different corners of the, of the countryside or maybe even being in the office at church, speaking into a camera with no congregation, that is now normal. And that's something that is a new normal, although I'm sure, like me, you are sick of hearing that phrase. There are going to be many, many things that become normal in the weeks and months ahead of us. But one thing's for sure, it's going to be a long time before we can all gather together in one place. Except, except, that's not entirely true, is it? You see, without doubt, Luke, the author of Acts, is speaking here about a physical gathering. The disciples were physically gathered in one place. As we listen to these words this morning, we are gathered together spiritually in one place. You see, a church is not a building. We know this. A church is, is not even a physical gathering of people. A church is a group of people who are like-minded, who are, who are dedicated to following the teachings of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we are gathered together in one place, not physically, but spiritually. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting in. I don't know about you, but whenever I've read this passage, I often imagine a literal wind blowing through the house. I often imagine literal fire burning and then separating, going to each disciple. That's not actually what scripture says happened. You see, sometimes when God works, he works in, in such amazing ways, in ways that we, we simply cannot quite put into words. And so whether it's us talking and describing experience or whether it's, it's, it's the, the biblical authors, they struggle to find the words to describe the greatness and the power of God. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind. It's, it's a bit like the, the sound that Ezekiel heard when he, he describes hearing God. And he says it was, it was like a rushing wind, but it wasn't quite a rushing wind. It was like that. In the same way, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It wasn't actual flame. 
it wasn't fire as we know it, but it was kind of, fire is the closest word that we have to describe what happened in that room. But it was God working. And sometimes our language is too restrictive to describe the wonders of the workings of God. When Moses saw the burning bush in the wilderness, he describes it as, as burning but not burning. It's kind of, it's on fire but the bush isn't being eaten up. So to be clear, there wasn't a literal wind blowing through the house and there wasn't a literal fire burning amongst these men. But you see, when the Holy Spirit was promised, if we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now that power isn't in the wind, the sound of the wind. It's not in the apparent fire. The power is in the power to communicate. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's important to note that the first sign of the power of the Holy Spirit on these people, on these disciples, these men in Jerusalem on that day, it was, through the, it was the power to enable them to speak languages, to communicate, to reach out to different nationalities, to different, different tribes, to speak to them in their own tongue. You see, for many Christians today, the biggest obstacle they face is the power of communication, the ability to communicate their faith, the ability to communicate their faith in a way that makes sense to other people. The, the obstacle that they face is, is words. They can't find the words to describe their faith in a way that makes sense to other people. Now in Jerusalem at this time, there was a festival being celebrated. It was called the Festival of Weeks. It was a bit like a harvest festival, we might call it today. And so because of that, there were people from all over the local area who had come into Jerusalem. They'd travelled a long, long way to bring offerings and gifts to the temple, to worship, and also to trade as well. It was, it was harvest time. And so for that reason, there was an awful lot of people in Jerusalem. For that reason, there were people from different, different countries, different regions. There were people from different language groups. And that's why, that's why God used the Holy Spirit to give the power of communication, the power of language to these disciples. And of course, as soon as foreigners in the country, in the city, suddenly started hearing their mother tongue being spoken, they stopped. They recognised it. They thought, hey, what's, what's going on? There must be one of my countrymen around. And then they saw that there was just this group of Galileans who suddenly had started speaking all these different languages. What a bizarre thing to happen. They were amazed. They were perplexed. They turned to each other and said, what's going on? What does this mean? But then others just laughed and said, they're drunk. They've had too much wine. You can sort of understand that reaction. If, for example, on a Sunday morning, you tuned into our YouTube channel and um, you thought, oh great, Tom's doing a sermon this morning, let's press play. And I begin by saying, bonjour, ma chérie, oh, he, ho, he, ho. You might think, 
what is going on? Why on earth isn't he talking normally? That's, that's, um, uh, that's a very odd version of the French language that appears to be attempted um, by someone who clearly doesn't have a clue how to speak French. Has he been drinking? Now, if that did happen, and I assure you it won't, you could be forgiven for wondering whether or not I have completely lost the plot. But there's something else happening here. At the end of the account of, of Pentecost, when there's these accusations of having had too much wine, the disciples are encountering the first spiritual opposition. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives them the power of language, the power of communication. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that, that equips Peter to then later on stand up with the other 11 and preach a powerful sermon that eventually leads to over 3,000 people being baptised and giving their lives to Christ on that day. This is a significant day. Like I said at the beginning of this sermon, Pentecost is a huge moment in the Christian calendar and it should be one that we stop, that we observe and that we then allow to inspire us and empower us to go and to do to do what Peter did, to preach the word, to share our faith with other people. But as soon as we start doing that, we will face ridicule. We will face mockery. There'll be all sorts of names hurled at us. There'll be all sorts of, um, of people who, who say, you seriously believe that? Those, those fairy stories, those children's stories, that nonsense. In this day and age, you seriously believe that? My goodness, what planet are you on? When the disciples were accused of having had too much wine, that was the first spiritual opposition. They were, they were prepared for it. They knew it would happen. They'd seen enough opposition when they'd been following Jesus. They knew that it wouldn't go down well as soon as they started preaching, as soon as they started acting in obedience to the Holy Spirit. In the same way, when we start acting in obedience to the Holy Spirit, we can expect spiritual opposition. We can expect to be mocked, we can expect to be ridiculed, but we can also expect to know the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples had such faith. The disciples had such faith that they didn't, they didn't back down as soon as they were mocked and ridiculed. They didn't walk away or give up. Instead, they persevered. They kept on going. Because in that moment when they received the power of the Holy Spirit upon them in that room on the day of Pentecost, from that moment onwards, they worked and worked and worked to build God's kingdom. From that very small number of people, they went out into the streets of Jerusalem and they changed the city. Eventually, they, they caused such a, such a stir that they, were, they had to leave. They were persecuted. So they left the city. They all went their separate ways. But Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, gave each one of them power. They went to villages, to towns, to cities. They spread like, a, like ripples in a mill pond when a stone is dropped in the middle. Well, if the stone was dropped in Jerusalem through the, on the day of Pentecost, then it spread out across the world. Those disciples, they travelled. They didn't travel in one group protecting each other. They all went their separate ways. Now, Christian tradition has it that they all died in different corners of the world, different places, different countries. They all died in different ways. But they all dedicated their lives to spreading the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ.
Today, we celebrate Pentecost. But how many of us are going to react by dedicating, rededicating our lives to spreading the good news of Jesus? Now, of course, that's an easy thing to say, but what can we do? Well, at the moment, we are a scattered church. We're not going to be persecuted, hopefully, but we are scattered. We're scattered because we can't meet up as a church. But that's a good thing. That's an opportunity. Maybe we've formed a WhatsApp group in our neighbourhood and we can send a text to people today saying, not sure if anyone's interested, but this is what this is a sermon at my church um, show today. Or maybe um, maybe, you know, a family who you could say, check out what our children's worker or our youth workers done. They do brilliant talks every week. Thought you might be interested. Or maybe you can set yourself a challenge of saying, right, every day this week, I'm going to refer to my church in a conversation with with a different person whether it's on the phone or whether it's across a garden fence or out walking the dog, I'm going to set myself a challenge of getting church or, or the name of Jesus or, or offering to pray or something like that. Just something to let people know that my faith is something I'm proud of. It's up to you how you choose to respond to Pentecost. But whatever, whatever you choose to do, let's make sure that we do respond Let's make sure that there is a positive response to today, because that's a sign of obedience. Many of you would have heard this said before, but to really understand Pentecost, it's quite helpful to go all the way back to Genesis, to the Tower of Babel, where just after the flood, where Noah had built his ark and and saved two of each kind of animal and his family, and then the flood waters recede, God sent a rainbow. And it it was a rainbow that was... um, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a coronavirus rainbow. It was a promise. It was a promise that God never again would flood the earth. But what we read about in the, the account of the Tower of Babel is that people didn't believe that promise. People weren't obedient to God. Instead, they said, right, let's, um, let's build a tower that reaches up to the heavens. Let's, let's use tar to waterproof it. In other words, let's build a tower that is going to protect us. If God does get the hump with us again, if he does lose his rag and decide to flood the world and try and wipe us out, let's be prepared next time. Let's show the world how powerful we are. And so they build this massive tower. And halfway through construction, God sees this act of obedience. And at the time, there was only one language in the world. And so he divides the construction teams. He gives them all different languages. He causes confusion. And eventually the, the project the project falls apart because as soon as people use the ability to communicate with one another, then suddenly they can't get on. Division comes in. Partisan groups form. And sure enough, people are scattered. When we, when we come to Pentecost, we see a reversal of that. As I've already said, language was so important. Communication is so important. On the day of Pentecost, it was, it was used to allow the disciples to spread the good news to, to all these different nationalities that were gathered in one place. Of course, those, those people, those, those people who'd come to trade or to, to worship in the temple after the festival of harvest was finished, they went back to their countries. The good news was taken with them. The account of what, what they'd witnessed on the day of Pentecost was shared time and time again. And then the disciples were, were, were persecuted in Jerusalem. They were sent out. And so we can see, can't we, the way that 
that the good news was, was spread, it was scattered. The way that language was so important, communication was so important, and today communication is still so important. We've got a massive opportunity at the moment to communicate our faith to people. The world at the moment is, is more sympathetic to faith than it has been for a long time because suddenly we've had a reminder that we're not quite as in control as we like to think we are. I don't know about you, but I'm not in control. I know full well I'm not in control. God is. And so on this day of Pentecost, I hope you'll join me in acknowledging the authority of God in all of our lives. Acknowledging that through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through God the Father and Creator, our faith rests. Through God, we find purpose for our life. Through the Holy Spirit, we find purpose, we find activism, we find a, a mission for each and every one of us. God has a plan, he has a desire for us to follow that plan, to play our small part. On this Pentecost day, let's take some time to truly and seriously ask God what he wants us individually and corporately to be doing, how he wants us to be portraying him to the world in the months to come. You see, God is with us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. There are some people who will be watching this who are, have spent the week nursing victims of coronavirus. They may have seen recovery, they may have seen death, but throughout all that, through the Holy Spirit, God's with you. There'll be some people who are, who are school teachers who are anxious about going back to work. Throughout that whole process, through the Holy Spirit, God's with you. There'll be some people who have barely set foot outside their house for, for 10 or 11 weeks and they're actually quite scared about going out into the world again whenever that opportunity may come because, because it's been so long, things have changed, they're not quite sure what to expect. Throughout that, through the Holy Spirit, God is with you. There is no situation that we can find ourselves where, where the Holy Spirit isn't in us and around us, with us every step of the way. When Jesus walked on this earth, crowds came to hear him. Jesus ascended and sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings great power. And if you've committed your, your life to following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. It is working in you and it is working through you and around you. It is the Spirit of Jesus. It is his Spirit. And so let's be proud of our God. Let's be proud of the Holy Spirit. Let's be proud of this day of Pentecost. And let's, let's be proud enough to go out and communicate our faith. Whatever your response is to Pentecost, may it be one that serves God, that builds his kingdom, and that enables you to confidently proclaim your faith and make a difference to the world around you. Let's finish this morning.
while listening to prayer. Lord, we celebrate once again the memory of that first Pentecost. May it be for us, Lord, as it was then, a moment of empowerment, a new treasure within us, an awareness of your glory in this dark world, and a life-changing experience forever. Help us, Lord, not to rely on our own strength and wisdom, but to yield ourselves to you, to the Holy Spirit living within us, our helper, our friend, who we can rely on for everything. Father, like a candle, you are the match that ignites us, the fuel that sustains us, and fragrance that fills us as you enter our lives. Pour out your spirit of freshness, Lord. Set ablaze the fire in our hearts so that we can be set alight for you, Lord. And may the gifts of your Holy Spirit be evident in us. Equip us to do what you created us to do. Fulfill your purpose, Lord, in our lives. And make yourself known to us in new ways, in exciting ways, in challenging ways. And empower us, O oh God, and inspire us. Father, without your spirit, we are weak and can do nothing. But with your spirit, we are strong and can do everything. Help us, Lord, when we face difficult situations, to speak into the impossible and make them possible, to accomplish what we may think is far beyond our reach, to walk on water, to be fearless, but also to be gracious, even in the face of injustice and wickedness in this world. Lord, you empower us to carry your flame in our hearts, to be the fragrance, the warmth, and the light of your love in this dark world. Help us, Lord, to show the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How grateful we are to you, O Lord. We can never thank you enough for giving us the Holy Spirit so that every single day we're able to do your will. Amen.